Well, welcome to the uh, UK Scriptwriters Podcast, the runner-up podcast. We you are may officially know it as. the almost award-winning runner-up, not quite winning something podcast. That's right. We, we came second in the uh, UK personality category in the European Podcast Award. In the European Podcast Award, um, because obviously we've got runner-up style personalities. <laughs> um, my name's Tim Clegg. The other. Uh, Irish geezer that you can hear mumbling in the background is Danny Stack, but Hello. we have a special guest with us today uh, that Danny's going to introduce in a kind of Jonathan Ross way. Well, we're coming to you live from the Southern Script Festival, which is uh, an annual kind of screenwriting shindig in uh, Bournemouth every year, which is really great, and they get some fantastic people to come down to talk about screenwriting. Uh, today it's like Faye Rosling, writer of Campus and Smack the Pony, she's going to talk about comedy. Andrew Allard as well from Red Dwarf and Miranda, he's coming down later. We'd love to speak to them, but all, you know, the only person that we're stuck with, unfortunately, <coughs> is a horror writer, James Moran, or James Moran, or James Moron. Well, let's, Wh- let's clear that up. <laughs> Once again, second best. <laughs> second prize, second place. Yes, this or, is why we're saying... Or a loser, as, as other, most people would say. That's how I describe myself, Not as the winner. loser. Um, and why, when we say a horror writer, a writer of horror, not a horrific writer. I, I'm just, yes, yeah, I, well, th- this morning at eight o'clock, I was a horror writer. I was a horrific writer. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yes, it's early on a Sunday, so we're, um, we're trying to wake ourselves up. I'm, I'm a little bit tired and emotional. Yes. Um, um, if you don't know, James has written um, Severance, which is his debut film, and he's gone on to write uh, the best episodes of Doctor Who, Torchwood, <laughs> uh, Robinson Crusoe, uh, Spooks, yeah? Yeah, Spooks, yep. Spooks uh, Primeval, Primeval, Spooks Code 9, um, that's it. A lot of really high-profile stuff, and you've got no- more films in the works, so... I do. I have, uh, I have a, a dark, gritty thriller coming out called Tower Block, which is about um, residents in Tower Block being held hostage by a sniper. Um, and I've got a another horror film, which is a searing drama about man's in, inhumanity to man, called Cockneys vs. Zombies. Yeah. It's very serious. Everything film. you need to know in the title there. Um, we, we thought we would speak to James today about whatever takes our fancy, of course. Talk a little bit about horror, because it's on our mind, because we've just come out of a workshop that he's run, or a lecture that he's run, on, uh, on horror. But we'll Ramble. see what else, we'll see what else, yeah. But we like a ramble here at the mm. podcast, so we'll see what we'll see what crops up. Um, we sound a bit different and a bit echoey in here because um, you've got just, the earphones on. I've got the headphones on. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> and the reason is we've just sort of grabbed the corner room. We've got the little we're in the green room. We've the green got Dan room. Pringle in the background. He's waving. He's not waving. No, he he is he's waving. <laughs> um, the power of radio, really painting <laughs> the pictures there, Danny. Um, so yeah, let's go over some of that sort of stuff. So you've written for TV, mm. which is very common in the UK. You're uh, common. Sorry, go on. I thought you were <laughs> it is. Insult. It go is. On. And uh, you've also written for the cinema, less common yes. in, in, the, in, the, in the UK. How do you find, so there's not many people that can talk about the differences, James, uh, by working on both at the same time as you're mm. sort of doing. Uh, what, you, what do you think is the fundamental difference between those kind of gigs? Um, I think the main difference is if you're working on a, on a TV show that's in production, there's there's an end in sight. Usually, you're filming in a few months, so there's not a lot of time to faff around and say things like, what, 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 if, what, if the, "What if the hero did something else? What if it? What if the story was about something else entirely? Could he be a giraffe? 
or something that that can happen in film because there's no deadline, there's no end. Mm. But in TV, it's usually right. We're filming. We're filming in three months. It's going to be on the air in a year from now. We haven't got time to faff. We need an outline now. We need a script in two weeks. Get on with it. So there's less time to kind of second guess yourself, and mm. it it kind of forces you to just get to the correct answer more quickly. Um, because you haven't got time to think about 15 different permutations. You just have to try and find the right one immediately. Um, and whether or not it's the right one, it doesn't matter. Just get one quick. Um, and usually you kind of, you kind of go through the, the filtering process a lot, a lot more quickly. Um, with film, because there's no kind of deadline or end in sight, it can, the development process can drag on longer. Um, because you know everyone's trying to second guess it, everyone's kind of got a say, and there's there's no reason to kind of finish anytime soon. So it can just go on for years and years and years, trying different things. Let's go in a new direction. Let's try something else. Or let's get another writer for a fresh pair of eyes. Mm. All that kind of thing. Um, when Danny worked on, we've talked about this before. <clears throat> you know, when he's working on EastEnders or the children's mm. shows that he's working on, you know, he's he's talking in those terms quite often. And um, I would have thought that maybe they're looking for, for the writer to bring even more for those high concept genre shows like Primeval. Hmm. EastEnders, obviously, you, imagine, you know what the stories are like mapped out months in advance, and that's a whole team doing that. And then there's individual writers. But something that's kind of more genre six episodes and so on, are they looking for the writer to have more of a voice on those kind of shows? Or do they still want it to be really you know, an invisible art that's sort of, you know, h hidden. They want it to be about the things they're saying it's about. Mm. Well, they, I mean, they want you, they always want you to bring your own voice to it and your own unique take on it. But at the same time, they don't want you to, to break the show. They mm. want, you know, they want to put it, put an episode out that people watching the show will enjoy and it's not going to be too different to what has come before. That's not to say they're formulaic or they're all the same, but... You can't, you know, if, if it's a show about people chasing dinosaurs, you can't suddenly have everything stop for a huge relationship argument or, or, some, or something mm. that, you know, just th that isn't the show. You've got, you've, got to, you've got to kind of stick to the rules they set up um, and, and stick to the character. So you've, you've kind of got to be invisible but bring something of yourself to it as well. It's a, re it's a real kind of weird balance. Um, so, if you, you know, if you get the voices right and the tone of the show then there is usually plenty of scope for you to kind of bring your own unique style and, and quirkiness to it. And then when you're moving on to something like uh, Cockneys versus Zombies, that almost sounds like a little bit the same because they're obviously, hmm. um, that, that it's all summed up in the title, <laughs> you know, in a good way. It's a, it's a bit like, you know, it's, that's the marketing campaign is, is just making sure people know the title. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a good thing to aim at. It's like every, when you sit down and you're trying to think up ideas for it, you've got that title. But did they give you any it. other constraints? I know you can't maybe talk about all of the detail, but did they say, you know, and this person's definitely going to be in it or there's these other things that we need to consider or were you just, that's the title, do your worst? Pretty much that's the title, do your worst. Mm -hmm. um, they had a couple of people they were they were interested in approaching, but they were like, "Don't don't worry about that. Don't worry about the budget. Just just go for it and tell a really cool, fun story." And once it's all done and we like it, we can then, if it's too expensive, we can then kind of look at ways of kind of toning down some of the bigger scenes. But don't worry about that right now. Don't worry about who's in it or or casting or anything like that. Just just go for it. Um, 
So it's it's good it's good to kind of have that because it frees you up a bit, but at the same time you've got this title. So when you're, I mean, part of my process is that I do a huge kind of brainstorm at the beginning and just throw down any kind of possible idea that might be in the thing, whether it fits or not, because there's no there's no story at that point. Um, but then once you're kind of going through and finding the bits that stick together, it's good to have that just to keep mm. looking at that title because you're like, does is this the kind of idea? that would be in a film called Cockneys vs. Zombies. Mm. If someone's going to the cinema on a Friday night, they've had a couple of drinks, they look at what's on and they see Cockneys vs. Zombies and they, <laughs> stick their eight, they stick their eight quid down on the thing, Yeah, there's certain things they're going to expect. Yeah. A searing um, insight into the psychology of uh, exactly. man's relationship with in the environment. Exactly. <laughs> they, they don't, they don't want to see a character study about you know some, some, someone living in an apartment, a sterile apartment, having a joyless existence, mm. um, wondering what it all means. You know, they want they want to see cockneys, they want to see zombies, they want to see <laughs> they want to see verses, they want to see verses, they want to see some <laughs> they want to see some blood and guts, some swearing, some fun, some action. You know, a bit of heart, a bit of feel good stuff. And uh, how do you feel about that? Because there'll be some writers listening uh, to this that will think, oh, poor old James, you know, he's having to do the Cockneys versus Zombies <laughs> or whatever. But you seem to love that kind of entertainment and mm. working in fun genre. You you describe horror as being a fun genre. Mm. Um, so you don't see that as a second-class level of no, writing because no. it's, it's genre. I give it just as much, in fact, more effort and thought and passion and love that, as, as anything else. Because, you know, I want to I please the people who've come to see a Cockneys vs. Zombies film, just from the title. But I also want to please people who've come along not knowing what to expect. I want to tell a good... You know, it, it doesn't make it easy. You can you can go the easy route and just tell a silly, lazy, slapped-together story knowing that people are going to come and see it anyway. But it's better to kind of take some time and, and put, put some work and love into it because I love the genre so much. I don't. I don't just want to knock something lazy out. You know, they can get somebody else for that if they want. But they, because they've hired me, they want a certain thing. So you know, I do. I try and approach it the same way. It's like I, I want. I want some believable, fun, endearing characters. I want a couple of villains who aren't zombies. I want. I want some fun and some feel-good stuff in it. But I want. I want all the characters to have you know a, a proper, well-defined journey and a. And a good, st- I, want a, I want a good storyline. I want to. I don't want to just treat it, treat it lazily. I don't. You know, you never come to it lightly, no matter what the project or what the title is. So you know, while I want to serve the undemanding Friday night drunk people, at the same time I want to tell a good story and serve the people who want to see a good film as well, right, yeah. <laughs> as well as that. Yeah. You know, because I want to see a good film. I don't, there's there's certain things people expect from the title. There's certain things people will think of the project, when they hear the title, they just think, oh, for God's sake, it's one of those stupid films. And those people, I want to win those people over as well, because whether they get dragged along or they see the trailer, I want them to kind of go along and think, oh, that's actually uh, that's actually good, as well as silly and fun. Um, I just want to make everybody happy, really. Well, <laughs> I have a question for you, James, mm. if we can rewind a little from uh, Cockneys vs. Zombies, because I'm sure a lot of people are listening thinking, Wow, he's got like three or four films. Yeah. His belly. He's got loads of TV. I'm thinking that. He must have best friends in the industry to yeah. get his p- place in the, you know, really, to get his break. really annoying. He must have Russell T's phone number. Yeah. You know, he must know, you know, know somebody. But of course, you don't do. It's like, how did you get your break? How did you start? All that. I do have Russell T's phone number, but that's because I, I worked <laughs> with him on several shows. On. Yeah. So it was kind of important to have that. 
Um, how did I how did I get my break? Um, there's a magical secret uh, path that I, I don't tell anyone about <laughs> um, that is really easy, um, <laughs> and it's it's so simple and so easy to do. All you have to do is work really really hard for years and years and years and write good stuff and keep sending stuff out and keep working at it and keep rewriting and keep learning. Um, that's all you have to do. It's that's really simple, and it only takes about five to ten years. But there is a gap in my knowledge of you, James, in the fact that the first time that I remember hearing about you was we all virtually, I think, started our blogs about the same time. Yeah, I think so. Which kind of how we kind of hooked up, I suppose. But at that time, that when you were when I first was reading uh, your blog, you were talking about severance yeah. at that point. So just kind of and then I think probably other people would have that as your kind of first their your appearance on their radar mm. what was your path before that time how many years were you writing before then what sort of things were you writing did you do shorts did you did you study where did you study what did you do uh, I've been writing since I could hold a pen uh, since I was three or four um, the first one I can remember it was about a cat and a mouse um, in my first year of primary school, and it got cat ready. versus mouse. Exactly, <laughs> classic. That old, that old chestnut, um, and it got read out in class, and everyone laughed, and uh, and I just really enjoyed doing it. And it was just, I just knew from that age that it was something I liked doing. Never thought it would become something I would do as as a job. Um, so I, I've just been writing ever since. Never thought I would actually break in and kind of drifted into the script format because I liked the format and I wanted to try and get some get stuff made. Um, I won a short film competition for the Sci-Fi Channel. Um, they made my script into a short film. Um, Which must have been very huge and exciting at the time. It was incredibly exciting. Um, I went down, I was I was on set, I watched it, watched it being filmed, it was all good fun. Um, and they showed it in the cinemas before um, Final Destination 2 and The Born Identity and um, 2000 that, and that Dragon movie two? with Christian Bale. Oh yeah, Dragon quite something. Good, yeah, and, it was good and, fun. Yeah. Matthew. Rain of Fire. That's Thank you, Dan, for well going in the background. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so was that 2002, 2003? What are we talking about? Uh, 2000, 2000, I think. 2000, yeah. oh god. And then it sort of came out 2001-ish, something like that. Um, so yeah, so that it, you know, I didn't get anything else out of it, but it was enough of a kind of validation where I thought maybe maybe somebody else will like something else I've written, because mm. um, you kind of you kind of toil away in obscurity, thinking no one's going to read it, no one's going to make it, no one's going to like it. Um, but it just takes someone to just say yes, actually, this isn't bad, mm. and you think, oh, okay, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep trying. So I put together. Uh, I had a a TV script and a film script and I drew up a list of agencies. I got the Writers and Artists yearbook and I found some agencies online and I made a list of the ones I would try. And I thought I'll go down one by one, I'll send it to the first one. If they reject it, I'll go to the next one and the next one and the next one. And if I get to the end of that list, then okay, fair enough, at least I tried. Um, and the first place I sent it to, the agent called me up straight away and he's, he's my agent now and he signed me up. Um, he's a really like top end agent as well, so to get on his radar really straight is. away. Yeah. And what did you What did you send in with that? Obviously, you had your news of the of the mm. of the sci fi short. Yeah. Which 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 was meaning that he didn't care about that. He at didn't all. care about yeah, that. It's funny, like, but that was but but it that mattered to you to yeah, yeah. to, to, it, it to, to encourage for you. me. Yeah. But for him, it was like, so what? How do I make money out of that? <laughs> I yeah. can't. Yeah, 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 Therefore, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. It's not. It's not even a fact. I don't mean that in a bad way. No, no, no. They are there to make money for you and them. 
they, they take you on because they think they can make money out of you, and that's that you know that in itself is validation. But that's inspiring to the people listening because it actually does mean if you've got a good spec hmm. script. Um, but, but it wasn't you know, just one. This is this is my favorite part of the story. It wasn't just one. Oh, it was a six-part series. Yeah, I wrote. Uh, <laughs> I it was something I'd, something I'd always <laughs> wanted to do, and I'd been wanted to tell the story for ages. So I wrote the first episode. There were only half an hour episodes. And I wrote the first one, and I was enjoying it so much. I wrote all six episodes. Um, so I, I, I sent in the first episode of that, but I thought it's it's so silly. It's just gonna, it's just to kind of show a different side of me. Um, and then I wrote a film script, which was really clever and cool and edgy and exciting and written to be low budget and clever. And I thought, right, he'll hate the TV thing, um, but they'll, they'll love the, uh, the film script. Mm. So I sent it in and he phoned me up two days later and he said, oh, I love the TV thing. It's really, really cool. And I was like, all oh, right, was, well, he's going to really love the film script. He said, no, that was terrible. <laughs> um, and we've, never, we've never mentioned it again. <laughs> I, I briefly asked him later, like, should I revisit it? He went, no, I don't think that's something you need to do. Um, in his typically blunt, <laughs> honest way. Um, but so that was, so yeah, so it was basically a half-hour script that he liked. But this, that's cropped up. If I think about my own, you know, mediocre successes, it's been the same thing. It's almost been the silly projects, mm. as in we think other people will find them silly, yeah. that take off. And it's the ones that you try and do where you're trying to please people and, exactly. and jump through hoops and so on, and you think you're being clever with it and, and, and so on. They just don't capture people's imagination. They can almost sniff out the cynicism of that exactly, kind of yeah. writing or something. It's like, and it's like the, the wackiest idea take, takes off because at least it's kind of a bit crazy and it's got mm. something about it. What's that, that old saying? Like if you try and please everyone, then you will, you will end up pleasing nobody. Mm. But that, that, that TV script, it was purely to amuse myself and to, to tell a fun story I wanted to tell. And I thought, no one else is going to like it. But was really enjoying it and I just mm. poured all my passion and love into it and it, and it shows on the page and it, it got me all my meetings that first year I signed up with the agent um, I still have meetings about it now I knew I knew it would never get made because it's it's very very violent and dark but the main characters are kids so but it's not a kids show and kids mm. get killed in it but mm. it's kind of funny so it's just kind of it, it's too it's too odd and weird mm. but someone recently has you know I had a meeting about it and they've, they're they're trying to get it made somewhere at the moment, and it, it happens every every few months. Someone else tries to get it made, and I I, I don't know if it will ever happen because it's it's just too odd and weird, mm. um, and it's and it's too funny at this point that it's been that it's been so long with lots of people trying to get it made. It kind of amuses me that, that no one can. Um, cause at least at least I was right about one thing. True, true, true. Well, what I like about it is like you know common practice now, and t even in with screenwriting students or anywhere you go, it's like don't write a series, write a pilot, and then write a two-page outline or a series bible mm. on the rest of it. Mm. You wrote six episodes. You wrote the whole series. Yeah. Because it was something that you just really enjoyed. Mm. So there's a lot to be said of just really following your gut. Yeah. I and think enjoying so. what what to write because yeah. even if it never gets made, look how much it's benefited James in terms mm. of opening doors, getting the agent, yeah. just mm. having fun. Um, and then moving on to Severance, which is something I know you've talked about a lot, mm. but just for a brick, r quick breakdown for the podcast, it's like, you know, you, r you wrote 23 drafts of it by yourself. Pretty much, yeah. As in, like, nobody was paying you to do so no, before no. it actually got sold. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to, to quickly go through that, why, why did you even yeah. think to yourself, I must do uh, many more drafts? Well, was it, and, what do you, and also a bit of clarification around what, what the changes of those drafts mm. would, would, would typically be, because there's a lot of different differentiation of what people mean by a draft. 
there's like a little polished yeah. draft. There's a draft where you change the entire, you take out a whole character, and do you know what I mean? What's yeah, yeah. The, the, once I once I cracked it around draft sixteen or seventeen, then they were kind of they were more polishy drafts. But most of them up to that point were quite big changes. Um, I I had I just had the idea. I told it to my agent, and he said that 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 could be good. Go and write it. And I just jumped into the first draft without an outline, didn't know how to write films, and just made a complete mess of it. So I pretty much spent a year trying to figure out how to write films by making all of the mistakes. You know, I could have just asked somebody how to do it, um, but where's the fun in that? So, so for like the very first draft, the killer was kind of a half-naked mountain man in a loincloth. Um, and I thought it would be a really cool, visual, exciting moment when he stepped out, but when, you, when it got down on the page, I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it, they're basically being chased around by a naked man, yeah. um, which is just kind of funny. Um, and then, But I just kept trying to, the first few drafts after that, I kept trying to just change the killer reveal at the end without affecting the beginning bit, mm. which was, again, you know, you learn from your mistakes. Um, and it was only once I sat down and thought about who is doing this, why are they doing this, How, what what are they trying to achieve, what what is going on, what's the backstory of of the killer, and just treating them as if they were the hero and figuring out what they what they're all about. Once I settled on that and figured out who they were, I could then go back over the the first and second act, and it made it all consistent. And everything. And once you figure out who they are, it it everything is explained and it makes sense then. Mostly, um, and it just—it was just a really, really valuable lesson about you know you just, you've got to have a good villain and a, a proper villain's plan, and it has to make sense. Otherwise, you know they're, they're just doing random things that make no sense. And al also, it's probably important to stress that you were working in a day job at the time. This was exactly yeah. my question. <laughs> oh yeah. yes. So it's yes. like it's—it's it's everything that new writers and uh, and us as writers just mm. do all the time. It's just like you weren't getting paid. You were just nope. pursuing the story. I was working five days a week, full time. Um, I had quite a long commute in the morning and the evening. I was, it was a job where I had to type all day. So I'd be typing all day at a computer desk. Then I'd get home, eat, and then sit at another computer desk and get back to whatever the, the umpteenth draft of this bloody script that would, there was just no end in sight. After six months of it, I just kind of thought, this is ridiculous. I'm never going to finish this bloody thing. Um, but I'd, I'd come so far, I just thought, if I just abandon it, then I've wasted six months of my life. So I have to finish it. So just getting back home after working all day at a desk to sit at another desk and keep right, that was, that was a long, long slog. Mm. It really was. Um, which is why I don't, I don't have any sort of patience for when people say, oh, I've got a full-time job, I don't have any time to write. It's like, yes, you do. Do you watch TV? Do you read? Do you do this? Do you that? You've got time. If you've got time to do all those things, just stop and write. Mm. Um, and you can you can get a first draft done pretty pretty fast. Yeah, you've, you've, you know you'll find a few hours. Some you know there's like the guy, the guy like we were talking about the other day, the guy in the diving bell and the butterfly. You know he could move his eyelid. He blinked out a book. Mm. You know I, if if you you're working, you're tired. I don't care. You know just 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 get it done. You've got you've got the time. If you watch any TV at all and you say you have no time to write, then stop watching TV. Right. I'm just scared now because no, if I don't write, James is going to come around with a knife. There's, there's <laughs> no, gloves on. But there's, no, there's no excuses. The, the people who have written stuff, films and books, through the most incredible adversity and illness, and it's just there's no excuse. No, if if they can do it, then you know there's just, there's just no excuse. Like that, that great scene in uh, in Dodgeball, where he gives up and Lance Armstrong 
turns up and says, oh, well, I guess you had a really good reason for giving up. And, <laughs> and, I, and it just, you know, I, I think of that every now and again. I just think, do you know what? There is no, there's no reason good enough to give up. It's just, just keep going. Yeah. No, I've no patience for that. You've, you've no, you, you have time. But my Make fav- time. My favourite is Stephen King, which we mentioned as well. Yeah. When he got knocked over and he was like really seriously injured from the crash. Mm. And then, mm. you know, as, as soon as he was physically, and he wasn't even physically able you know, his wife pushed him to the computer or the typewriter or whatever, and he just had to write. And he was, mm. t- he was writing through really strong physical pain, but he mm. just had to write. Mm. And uh, it's good to remember that kind of thing. So Lance Armstrong and Stephen King, just just remember those two inspirational uh, figures for writers. And James Bourne with his uh, dark gloves and knife standing over you. Yeah, well, I've, I've said this online a few times as well. And every single time I say it, there's always a couple of people say, ah, but uh, but I've got this and I've got that and I, and I need to do this and I need to do that. And ah, but yes, but yes, but yes, but. And I just think, well, okay, then don't, then, then. Then don't do it. Mm. Um, plenty of other people waiting behind you who, who will do it. Um, if, you know, if, if you've got... If you've got a really good excuse and really good reason, that's fair enough. Um, don't be a writer. But do you, do, you, do you, is there? Do you want to move on from from writing? Myself and Danny ran a workshop at the same time as yours yesterday, so we mm. couldn't go to it. Where we were talking about um, writers becoming directors, mm. good and bad. Yeah. Um, have you ever thought about moving into other fields? Have you got even got an interest in that, or not an interest? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I directed half of uh, half of the web series I did. Couple of years ago, Garden on the um, mm. Yes, but that might have put you off. I suppose is what I mean. Or you oh no, no, I, I loved, loved it. it. Right, it's, it's addictive. Um, I did a short film last year for Fright Fest. Um, it's just, it's really addictive. It's really good fun because there's all the time you spend working out everything on the page, and then you get to the filming stage, and you're in charge, and you see it filming, and then you realise that that line doesn't work. I need to change that, and it's 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 a real eye opener because all of a sudden you go from you turn you before you get to that point you're like don't mess with my script how dare you touch my lovely words and then as soon as you get on set you're like right the, these bad lines are ruining my film yeah. i need to change them. this <laughs> exactly it's a whole it's a real it just completely turns everything on its head and you just think about things in a different way um and having to having to think about how you will film something and how the scenes connect up it's like right that scene's going to end on that mm on like a joke or, or a noise or something, the next scene starts in a similar way or a totally different way. It just really makes you think about every little tiny thing like that. Mm, yeah, transitions. And yeah, absolutely. And if, you're, and if you're seeing, if you're standing there on set and you hear a line and then you're filming the next scene and you hear a very similar line, it really makes it stand out where you might not notice it on the page mm, because mm. you might have stopped reading for a bit and had a break. But if you're there on set, it's really obvious. Um, and it, ha- it happened a couple of times on Girl Number 9 where Everyone, everyone knew the lines backwards, inside and out. If they ever stumbled over a line, they'd look at me, and it was because there was something wrong with it, or it was repeating something, and it just, it just kind of trips them up. Mm. So I knew that it was, it, it was something. There was something wrong on the page. Mm. Yeah, um, it wasn't feeling right for them as actors in character. If exactly, you see what I'm saying, yeah. and and they'd they'd always know if they'd repeated something because we filmed it all in two or three days, so it was, mm. it was obvious if they'd said something before because it was only like half an hour ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But linking uh, Girl Number 9 back to kind of the theme of like just hard work, get on with it. Mm. It's like nobody get asked you to do Girl Number 9. No. Nobody paid you to do Girl Number 9. It was just all your proactive mm. um, kind of partnership with the mighty Dan Turner who directed exactly. the other half. Um, and it's just about just getting things done, getting out mm. there. You've got to show people what you got. 
Absolutely. Because it's easy to sit back and think there's a secret handshake, I can't get in, I've written six scripts, nobody's interested. It's just like, well, you've written six scripts, not you, I'm not talking about you, mm. just general. It's like, well, now you've got to write more. Mm. You know, you've got to keep on working. Mm. Um, and it is hard, and the competition's fierce. But, you know, you stepped into directing with Girl Number 9, mm. and then Fright Fest asked you to do the, yeah. the, sp the spoof trailer because mm. of Girl Number 9, I would imagine. Pretty much, yeah. Because they wouldn't have said, if you've never directed before, why don't you give this a go? <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was partly that and partly the stuff I'd written as well. And they, they knew I was, I, was, I was a Fright Fest regular, so they knew I mm. could be trusted not to run away with the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. just important, and Again, you know your genre really well. Yes, so yeah, yes. Mm. You, you you do good gags that people would get. And yeah. So on, yeah, we've said it before on the podcast. You know, nothing comes from nothing. So you, mm. you've got to just like put something on paper and get yeah. it out there. But it also shows that you, I mean, you never get to a point that you feel unchallenged and or you shouldn't do totally comfortable. You can always push yourself to. Mm to not just take the next writing gig, but go, oh, I'm gonna actually do a web series, which I'm gonna have a go at directing. And you know, continue to push yourself and have to continually invest in yourself. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, give things a go and show people and, and, and so on. There's not like, this is why I struggle or get annoyed with that big break, because that indicates that there's a, a, a door through which once you've gone through everything, you suddenly- Everything's in, fine. You're suddenly is, in the dreamy land, you know, where it's which all Which is cool. important to stress as well. Yeah, you know, like, you've got to keep continuously pushing yourself. No, yeah. no, no. no, no right. Well, you I'm, should do anyway. You should continuously feel like you must be trying harder. As an artist, mm. anyway, all, art, all successful artists you see doing Just that, do looking that at the next you. challenge, exactly. Exactly. Out of comfort zone, that kind of thing. Totally, yeah. totally. I'm terrified all the time, partly because of stuff I've taken on. I, I don't know if I can do it, and that's why I've taken it on, mm. to see if I can do it. And partly because you never know when the, when the next job is coming from. Mm. You never know if it's all going to stop. Mm. Sometimes it does stop for six months at a time mm. for no reason, just mm. randomly. You don't know because it's an insecure business. You, know, you, you, know, you don't have a monthly salary. So it's just it's just very insecure. So you're just always terrified. Plus, you, as you were saying before, you're so much into the horror genre, you're constantly thinking that mm. there's probably some stalker after you, or that you're just going to get yeah. killed instantly that's, at any that's time. That's the other terror. So, yes. you know, that's a I'm always thinking of the worst thing that could possibly happen, and now I just can't stop. It, just, it happens all the time. <laughs> hey, we better draw it to a close, Danny. Well, why don't we um, put you on the spot and just help to wind up? Not your top five tips or anything like that, but your the first, oh my God. the five kind of top tips of horror that spring to your mind. Um, <laughs> so James's movements, top five tips of horror that comes to his mind. Jingle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I can just talk about the, the, the ones that work for me. Um, the main one is you have your initial concept of you know what if yuppies on a team building scheme get attacked by a killer. Have that initial unbelievable concept that probably wouldn't happen, but treat that utterly realistically. So have the initial unreali unrealistic thing, but then treat the, the, fo the follow-up and the fallout completely realistically. What, what would happen, if that, that wouldn't happen, but if it did, what would happen then? How would, pe how would you react to it? How would people react to it? Because the number one uh, killer of uh, horror films is when you're watching it and you just go, Nobody would. Do, I wouldn't do that. Mm. If I was in that situation, mm. I would do this instead. Mm. So if you're writing that that, situ that situation, do what you would do instead. Don't have people doing stupid horror movie things. There's a lot of bad horror made by people who don't know horror and don't love horror. And characters do stupid things because if they didn't, the film would be over in 10 minutes. Mm. So have them behave realistically. And if you want them to get caught, don't have them do something stupid. Put a proper obstacle in their way, you know? 
have the killer be much much cleverer than they are. Um, so that'd be the second tip would be make sure your killer or your villain or your monster has a proper plan, has a reason for existing, has something they want to do. Um, make it even more complex than what the heroes want because the villain has to make sense, has to be has to be consistent all the way through what they're trying to do. Otherwise it's just it's just random it's just a random kind of act of of, of violence. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a, an earthquake or something. There's no yeah. there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, what else? They're they're pretty much the two main things. Like yeah. have, have your characters oh, have your characters react realistically, mm. and have your villain have a proper plan and a reason for doing these. Because in some ways, the villain's the driving force actually, because exactly. everyone else is reacting, and the fun is yeah. how do they react, isn't it? Yeah. So they're not in in that way. They're here, although they're heroes. They're not the hero of the story. If you take the kind of old fashioned exactly. view of what a hero means, they are they're actually the. Um, the villain, the villain is the driving force. So yeah. That, that, yeah, you're totally right. They've got to, even got if, to even really if think about what they're doing. It's just somebody crazy doing crazy things. It's it's got to be consistent. Yeah. And even if you don't explain why they're doing things, because you know people watching horror films, they don't they don't really care about why the villain is doing it. But it's got to be consistent. Otherwise, yeah. it'll just it'll just feel slipshod and random. Yeah. But they don't. You know, there's always that kind of dull moment where you explain why the killer is doing this, and no one cares. Mm. No one cares. They're, all they care about is will the heroes get out of this alive, and how will and how mm. will they kill the killer at the end if they if they do. So, yeah. So just make make it believable and consistent, and don't have them do stupid things. Yeah. And don't get lazy and complacent. And yeah, yeah. Just do it if if you're gonna do it, do it because you love it and you know it. Um, don't worry about what's come before you. Um, the mistake I made when I was stuck on those early drafts of Severance was sitting on the sofa writing near my DVD shelf, which was full of classic horror movies. So I'd just be sitting there trying to think of a good moment and looking up at the DVDs of The Exorcist and The Thing and Halloween and Alien and, uh, and just thinking, why am I bothering? Why am I even wasting my time doing a horror film if I'm not going to do The Exorcist or anything approaching that? Don't worry about that. Just, just, just write the best version of your particular story in a way that nobody else can. Great, great, great. Awesome words there. Thank you, James, for joining us. Thank you. On this hungover Sunday morning. <laughs> um, you gave it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we should wrap up. Um, obviously, maybe tell you where you can find us online. Yeah, I mean, the best way to track us is to find us on iTunes because you can just subscribe and listen on your computer or your other type of uh, Apple related devices etc so search for us on there UK scriptwriters we're also um, Facebook on Facebook Twitter, Facebook fan thing. page is, the, is a great way because it's all updated there and we do have kind of conversations on, on, on there but we'll be able to put up comments. links from what James is talking about we can put the uh, uh, Halloween spoof up there because yeah, yeah. that's on YouTube isn't it great yeah, great that'd be good uh, you can email us at ukscriptwriters at hotmail.com for any suggestions hellos or abuse um, that's yeah. fine or follow up things where uh, you've not quite got what we've said ask yeah. us more about that uh, we got, I got an email recently um, which we'll talk about next podcast I'm sure and just in terms of um, how much research to do for factual or historical stories, which I thought was quite interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we'll do that next time. I've done time. a bit of that, so I'll um, But, yeah, no, so thanks for tuning in. Um, we are the almost award-winning <laughs> UK Scriptwriters <laughs> Podcast. I've lived my life in second <laughs> place, Danny. I'm bursting you know? with pride. <laughs> Thank you so much to the European Podcast Award for um, nominating us and judging us and all the rest of it. 
Thanks for Dan Pringle, producer extraordinaire in the background, for sitting there silently. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Tim, thanks to James, thanks to me, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, that sounds like an Oscar speech. There you go. All right, cheers. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>